This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System, L-I-V-E, live. Carlin Gay, Scott Rathby across the NBA Global Networks. A little bit of a pep in our step. With the NBA Finals upon us, Scott, how are you doing, sir? Colin, I'm, I'm doing better than the Heat today, who uh, a Jimmy Butler 3.0 away from going back to the Finals. But no, I, I'm doing well. I'm really excited about these Finals. Um, the playoffs have been... There's been some highs and lows. I feel like the highs have been have been great, um, but there has been a lot of lows, a lot of blowouts, and everything like that. But I, I think this has the makings of a of a classic series. Um, so, so I'm excited. How are you doing, Colin? I, I'm great. I'm fresh back from uh, Game Seven, my first Game Seven in person. I was able to nice. go to Miami and see the Celtics punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. It was a great atmosphere. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that made fun of Miami fans, uh, you know, showing up late, the, you know, everything in between. Um, they did an incredible job of providing energy in that game uh, for their home team. Unfortunately, came in the losing cause. But, uh, you know, shout out to the Heat. I, I think they have something there. And they're already talking about next season, Scott. We won't spend too much time on this show uh, talking about the Heat, but they're already fantasizing about whether or not they're they'll they'll have enough uh, to get a Bradley Beal or uh, or go get go get themselves uh, a Dame Lillard. They're already ready to replace uh, Kyle Lowry. Uh, there's a lot of people uh, that left that building. I heard them saying, you know, ship Kyle Lowry back to uh, to uh, to Toronto. Um, and some of them might have actually been in my family. One might be married to. Uh, hey, I have been saying that. So, hey, we uh, can't do that. Uh, Kyle Lowry's a legend. Hey, he, he was hobbled in this series. He's still one of the most annoying guys to play against, even when he's uh, hobbling around on one leg because of the charges he draws and the, the the fouls that he draws and everything like that. Um, look, I, I think credit to the Heat. I know we're not going to talk about a lot on this podcast. All the attention is going to be on the finals, rightly so. They had an incredible season when you consider mm-hmm. the amount of injuries that they dealt with to get their way to that number one seed in the East. It felt like they flew under the radar all season long to handle their business in the first two rounds and then push a really, really good Celtics team to seven games. And as I said, to come a three-pointer away, um, a Jimmy Butler three-pointer away, which we could probably do a whole other podcast on whether or not we think that is the right shot. I think it was. Um, but to, to, to push that team to seven games, come that close to return to the finals, just a fantastic season. A credit to Eric Spolstra, the coach that he is. Um, a credit to Jimmy Butler, who was absolutely historically incredible those last two games. Um, and yes, they were hobbled, but they got timely performances at a bad matter bio and everything like that. So I think um, it certainly stings to lose in the fashion that they did. But um, I, I think they can look back on the season and uh, with their heads held high. One of the things I look forward to the most uh, that we do on NBA.com and the sporting news is ranking the top 30 players in the NBA. And Scott, it is going to be tough to do that uh, after this season because there's a lot of players worth consideration. We're, we're going to have to come up with some rules because there's a lot of injured players as well mm-hmm. uh, that might end up in that top 30. One Kawhi Leonard, I don't know how far he slips out of the top 10 if he even does. Uh, and we haven't seen him play in a year and a half. Uh, so it's it's been a while 
Um, but yeah, there will be plenty of time to discuss that. We'll actually discuss a little bit of that, Scott, in this episode. Jason Tatum, where we think he is right now, if you were to rank him uh, in the NBA. Is he a top 10 player? Is he just outside? Is he a top 15? We'll, uh, we'll discuss. Um, and let's get to it. It's the NBA Finals. It's the Celtics. It is the Warriors. I think these are the two best teams um, remain, obviously remaining in the season, but I think they've been playing the best. Um, you know, if you if you took kind of the the stretch of the year, because at the beginning of the year the Warriors really got out there early. Uh, they were battling, um, you know, uh, with with the Suns all year long. Had injuries not slowed them down? Had the Clay Thompson return not kind of you know slowed them down and had to help them figure out how to reincorporate him back into the lineup. If they were this version of the Warriors at the beginning of the year, maybe they are the number one seed in the Western Conference, or they're actually a lot closer than where they ended up. They ended up number three uh, in the Western Conference, and they had to go through number three, number two in the Memphis Grizzlies to get here, and, and made that look pretty easy. They went through the team that be- that beat the Phoenix Suns, uh, and they made that look pretty easy. And, you know, the hobbled Nuggets, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be picking them the Nuggets to end up in the finals at some point over the next two years uh, when they get their unit back full strength. But six time in eight years, we talked a little bit about their legacy uh, on the last episode. I want to spend some time talking about Boston because this is a team that ran into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock over the last couple of playoffs. And our good friend Kyle Irving, who is uh, a resident Celtic fan, wrote about it at the start of these playoffs when we found out that Robert Williams was injured going into uh, the series with the Brooklyn Nets. Every year, it seemed like uh, the Celtics would get rolling, and then all of a sudden, they'd have this injury that would just derail them in the postseason. This is the healthiest they've been in a long time, and they are now four wins away from hanging another banner up they are now four wins away, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, from shutting a lot of people up that said they should have been broken up long ago. You know, Marcus Smart, best defensive player uh, in the league this season, according to everyone that voted for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, he he's four wins away from calling himself a champion. And Al Horford, who had played the most playoff games without playing a finals game, he now gets an opportunity to maybe bolster his Hall of Fame case uh, that I know a lot of people are going to be talking about over the next couple of years or a couple of you know weeks uh, as we go through the postseason. And last but not least, Ime Odoka, rookie coach. He heard a lot of no's before he got this yes. And he lands in the perfect situation with two great stars in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and a roster that is championship built. He's four wins away from joining Steve Kerr, from joining Ty Lue, from joining... Um, Nick Nurse as rookie coaches to win the NBA title in their first year. Um, what about the Celtics team? Are you are you uh, impressed with their run thus far? It's, it's funny, by the way, that you say that this is the uh, healthiest they've been because they're still not really healthy, right? Like, I, I couldn't have been the only person out there that thought Marcus Smart was done for that series and potentially the rest of the playoffs with the way that his ankle turned in that game in the last series. Um, his ability to bounce back. It sounds like he's going to be kind of A-OK going to the finals, which is great news for them, but it's worth acknowledging that. And Robert Williams, I mean, he he's looked pretty hobbled, um, especially the last two games of that Won't series. Won't be surprised so. if we get a Woj or Shams tweet right after the finals end saying that he's yeah. on his way to uh, the operating table. 
Yeah, but in saying that, look, their, their core is healthy. They got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford. What he's been able to do at age, what, 35 um, on mm-hmm. both ends of the court has been absolutely massive for them. Um, and Derek White has stepped up, um, especially lately, on both ends of the court for them. So, look, this team, it, they're seven deep. They know who they are. Um, it's pretty clear that Ime Udoka trusts that rotation. Defensively, I mean, I, I really do think this team... I think we're going to discuss this team as one of the best defensive teams that we've seen in a long time, kind of like at the end of this season. They just, one through seven, they're so versatile. They can match up with anyone. They can switch across the board. Marcus Smart's like the smallest guy in the court for them, um, and he's very comfortable kind of switching on centers. Not that you want him guarding like a Joel Embiid the entire game, but like we're going to see him a lot on Draymond Green in this series, switching onto him. Um, Kevon Looney, boxing him out underneath the glass, stuff like that. And Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they can guard multiple positions as well. Al Holford can guard the perimeter. And Robert Williams is just one of the best rim protectors in the league. I mean, he made all defensive, second team all defensive this season on the strength of that. So I, I think we kind of had a sense of that going into the season, that that's what this team's identity was going to be. They've absolutely lived up to that. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how they match up with this Warriors team that, you know, we've talked about over the last week or two. Is, is not conventional in the slightest. Like today's NBA is basically run a ton of pick and rolls, get a mismatch, attack that mismatch, force a double team or collapse, hit the open man. That's the way a lot of teams play. And this Warriors team is just nonstop movement off ball. It's setting screens. It's Steph Curry flying off of a flare screen. It's Clay Thompson running to the corner, coming off of a pin down. It's guys slipping back door for layups. Like this is a very untraditional team in today's NBA. In saying that, you know, they're, the Celtics' ability to switch across the board, I think they match up, like, pretty well with the stuff that the Warriors want to do. Um, the Celtics have a history of playing this Warriors team pretty well. So I, I do think this is just going to be, you know, this, I, I think this series has the potential to go to seven games. I really do think it's a toss-up. Um, I think there's so many little matchups that are going to be fascinating to see. It's also, you know, like the Warriors have a ton of experience. You said at the top, this is six fi- the six finals in eight seasons for them. Um, they've proven they can win with this core, whereas the Celtics don't have any championship experience, you know, um, and they're, they're being led by a first-year head coach. And I, I don't know how much, like, I think that's going to factor into this series because they did just win a Game 7 on the road, and then they beat the defending champions in the previous series in a Game 7. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just think... As you said, I, I think this is pretty clearly the two best teams in the league at this point of the season, based on what we've seen through the playoffs. Um, they're very different teams, but I, I think it's it's going to be a tightly contested series. I really hope it is anyway. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I, I think you're spot on, and we'll give our predictions a little bit later, but I think you're spot on in terms of the – it's really a toss-up, um, and, and it, it's reminiscent of last year. I think, you know, last year, um, you know, there, there was – it almost felt like it was 50-50 – um, I think the big caveat last year was the fact that we were watching the best player in the league and every kind of, mm-hmm. everyone kind of knew that uh, in terms of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, and it felt like it was his time uh, based off everything that had happened. Um, and then they go down 2-0 and then you're, you're scratching your head saying, you know, what, what now? Um, but everyone knows in hindsight how that series turned out. Uh, and it was... I mean, it was a great series. That series was Incredible a great series. series. It, had, it had everything. Um, it had it had big time plays. You had you know historic games. You had um, you know all time defensive blocks. Uh, it, it was great, and it was uh, a, a, truly a back and forth. And I expect this series to have much of the same. If it ends before six games, I will be shocked either way. Um, same. I, I won't be shocked if uh, 
either the Celtics or Warriors win this. But if it if it's a you know a, a sweep or a gentleman sweep, I will be absolutely shocked uh, either way. So uh, again, we'll give our predictions a little bit later on. But I want to break this series down a little bit more uh, before we move on to that. Is there an advantage offensively that you think um, you know either team really has? Who who has the better offense heading into this series? That's a really good question. The which does a team have an advantage? I don't I'm hesitant to say that they do, but I, I trust the Warriors offense a little more. I just think their movement, um, the gravity that Steph Curry has, Clay Thompson, the, the passing of Draymond Green, there's like there's so many different things I feel like you can count on on a night to night basis. Whereas I think that the Celtics are still a little there's still a little bit of inconsistency on that end of the call for them. Like you never really know. Marcus Smart can go six for nine from three. He can also go like zero for nine. You know what I mean? Some nights Jason Tatum is making what feels like everything, and then some nights he shoots like four for fourteen. Um, Jalen Brown he had some turnover issues in the last series, even though he sh- he scored really well. Um, I, I, and that's some of that, by the way, is a testament to the Heat's defense, which was also incredible. But I do think they're just a little bit more up and down. And really, it's been their defense that has driven them to this stage. Um, and that's not to take anything, anything away from the Warriors, by the way, who were absolutely fantastic all season long defensively, really. Um, but especially in that last series, that game plan that they had against Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. But I, I think they're probably a little bit more well-balanced offensively and defensively than the Celtics, I'd say. Yeah, um, I think the advantage for me offensively is uh, on the Warriors side. Um, you know, the Celtics obviously have great players uh, and, you know, players capable of taking over games. We saw Jason Tatum, you know, go crazy uh, in game six against Milwaukee. We saw Jalen Brown do the same in game three against the Heat. Um, you know, either of those guys wouldn't shock me if they have a, a 40 or a 50 burger in this mm-hmm. in this finals. Uh, but on the other side, it's not just that Steph Curry is Steph Curry, but it is, you know, the amount of movement that the Golden State Warriors have offensively. It, it's weird to see them stagnant offensively. And there's a lot of NBA teams that even great offensive teams in the NBA that sort of, you know, run into these you know moments in the game where the ball just does not move. And it's a lot of one on one basketball. That's very rare for the Warriors to see to see the Royers kind of go down that path and that I'll give them the edge there because you know there's going to be points in this series where both teams are going to miss shots uh, they're going to have shooting droughts that's going to happen we 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 talk about you know and you hear about on you know multiple NBA shows the the shooting variance the reason why we have you know the blowouts that we've had in these postseason in this postseason I expect some of that to carry over to the finals don't get me wrong but I just think that the Warriors give themselves a better chance uh, of overcoming some of that stuff because they cut move and the, the ball never really sticks with them. Whereas the, the, the Celtics, I could see them going, um, you know, over, you know, you know, maybe three for you know 20 from three point range. And that really impacting one of these games here. Um, I could see Jason Tatum having a struggle, you know, from the field because he, he decides he wants to, you know, take a ton of pull up for tough shots. Um, you know, sometimes he makes them. I mean, mm-hmm. in Miami, uh, in Game Seven, uh, that the the second half, he didn't. It didn't feel like he had uh, an explosive second half, but he had two or three moments that really deflated the crowd um, with his shots. And I don't know if that came across on TV, but it, it really did. Like he he had a, a step aside three that he pretty much mm-hmm. had to take because the shot clock was expiring, and then he had another turnaround. Um, over Jimmy Butler, it was a two-pointer that, yeah. I mean, very few people in the NBA can make that shot. And 
he has the ability to do that. I don't know if there's anyone else in the series that that might be able to do that outside of Steph. Um, so I, I think we're going to see moments like that, and we're going to see those same shots not not being made uh, from Jason Tatum in some of these games. So uh, I give the Warriors the edge offensively, and I'm with you. I think the Celtics have the better defense because they might be a little bit more versatile in the length, the size. So it, it is going to be an interesting series. Um, I want to get to Jason Tatum specifically before we move on to the X factor of this series, because there's a lot of people that were giving him praise, and rightfully so, after he finished uh, the way he did in that conference finals. I don't think there was any doubt that if you were not going to give the MVP to Jimmy Butler, who I actually <laughs> thought that he might have might have deserved the fi- the uh, conference finals MVP, but if you were going to give it to someone on the winning team, it was Jason Tatum. I know going into the game six, we had a little chat and. Um, we debated about you know some other players. We even threw out Al Horford's name, which wouldn't have been a bad thing. But after the la- after the last two games played out, the the right call was made. Jason Tatum absolutely deserved it. And I, I I was thinking about it after the game. I'm still thinking about it now in real time because the top ten list in the NBA is so tough to crack. I don't know how many spaces are available now. The last time we did this, it almost or every time we've done this on NBA.com, we're ranking the top 30. It almost felt like the top 10 was a consensus. Like it, it just a, there were just 10 names that were always going to be in the top 10. Um, but you just kind of had to order them depending on, you know, the timing right now. In my opinion, Giannis is still the best player in the league. There's no question about that. I think he solidified at number one. After that, it's a real debate. It, it really is. Uh, you, you could you could put anyone at two, three, you know, all, all the way down to 10. I do think, though, two names, for me at least, Scott, that have fallen out of the top 10 um, and won't be in the conversation when we when we do this in the summer is James Harden and Damian Lillard. I think those two names have opened up the door for someone like Jason Tatum to enter the top 10 discussion. But he's not the only one. Like, you know, John Morant had an incredible year. Is he top 10 worthy? Devin Booker is another person. Incredible years. He top 10 worthy. He's done it long enough now, I guess, that you could say he's he's one of those guys. And defensively, I think he's, he's stepped up. So um, where do you sit on Jason Tatum? Where do you rank him if you were to rank him uh, in the league right now? Look, I, I think there's an easy way to do this. We can go through who I think are seven locks in this top 10. Okay. If you disagree with any of this, let me know. Giannis, KD. Jokic, Embiid, Curry, Luka, and LeBron. Okay? Yeah. And I think those those are seven. I think those are pretty safe locks to me in that top 10. I think TBD on what Kawhi Leonard looks like when he comes back. But if we're including him in this list, I think he, you know, until proves us wrong, I think he deserves a top 10 spot. He's that good. So I think that really leaves two spots in that top 10. And I think Jimmy Butler is absolutely in consideration there. Sure. Um, I think Jason Tatum is in that conversation. I do think he deserves to be mentioned as a top 10 player, especially what he's been able to do on this run. Um, but to your point that there is John Morant, there's Devin Booker. Um, Anthony Davis is a guy who, you know, coming off of that Lakers championship, we had on our NBA.com rankings in the top five. Mm-hmm. We may have had him as high as three, if I remember yep. correctly. Um, and obviously the season that he had, injuries and everything like that. The last time we did our player rankings, which was going into these playoffs, we had him in the 15th spot. So um, for what it's worth to go through that list, we had the, that, that seven that I mentioned at the top. At eight, we had Jimmy Butler, nine, Paul George, 10, James Harden, 
11 Chris Paul, 12 Damian Lillard, 13 Devin Booker, 14 Jason Tatum, and 15 Anthony Davis. That was our uh, our top 15 players. So to answer your question, I think Jason Tatum's absolutely worthy of being in that kind of 9 to 10 range. Um, there are a lot of players in there, but he's uh, he's certainly knocking on the door of the top 10. Yeah, it's... Uh... Man, it, it is tough to make the top ten. Uh, it's really hard. You know, it, it, we have uh, we have some spots that have been opened up uh, with with you know James Harden no longer a perennial top ten guy, and who knows what Damian Lillard looks like when he gets back. But even at his peak, I think, and this is no disrespect to Dame, but I just even at his peak, I I think that he might not crack the top ten anymore because you know defensively he he probably doesn't uh, you know because in that top ten. We're now talking about not only great offensive players, but also guys that can defend. Um, you know, name me one guy. You know, in that top ten that you just the, the list that solidified that you just named off, that is a complete slouch defensively. Luca, outside of Luca, I mean, it, you you find you know it's 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 hard to make an argument that some of these guys are going to get played off the floor uh, because of their defense. Um, you know, Jokic, I mean, Jokic, Jokic is the most interesting about, one, right? There's jokes about that, but. I think he's he's improved over the last three years, really, yep. um, defensively. Where you know there was times, I, I you know I made the case to you when we were always having the Jokic and Bead debate is if you can't play your best player, you know, in the final play of the game, if you can't if he can't be on the floor in, in a defensive possession, then you, you can't put him over a guy that is a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. That was always my Embiid argument, but now. Jokic's defense has gotten to the point where he's so intelligent, he's in the right spot, he's trying, the effort's there, um, you know, so he is playing in those situations. Um, so it, it is, he's, he's had some game-winning blocks, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So it is uh, it, it is interesting to see. Uh, now Nowadays, you, you can't, and, and there's going to be, I think there's going to be some tough decisions to make around Luka, especially if Jason Tatum goes out and wins the championship this year, because now you have a real debate. I don't know that many people would say, Luka, Luka Doncic is a worse player than Jason Tatum, or Jason Tatum's a better player than than Luka Doncic right now, right? Like, that's not – I, I don't think many people would say that. But if Jason Tatum leads the Boston Celtics to an NBA title, the conversation is open. And I, for one, might have to put Jason Tatum based off of – you know, again, he, he's obviously going to have to win finals MVP and, and everything else. Based off of that, the results are there. Like, Jason Tatum led a team to a championship – that has to mean something. He is a guy that is a defensive. Now he's not shying away from the best player defensively. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna defend Steph Curry. You know, at points in this finals, Luka Doncic can't do that. So it, you, as great offensively as Luka is, and as great as a player as he is, and he is a, a, a dude, man. Like he, he is a guy. Like if there was a fantasy draft and everyone's available, Luka doesn't fall further than probably fifth, right? Like. And I don't know if Jason Tatum's a fifth pick, right? Like, I don't know if he's a top five pick in that scenario. But, you know, with the circumstances the way they are, everybody's team's different. So, you know, you just have to go what we see. You might have to put Jason Tatum above Luka. But I'm with you. Uh, I I think Tatum's a top 10 player right now. I do think that there is room for him to move up. I think a lot of people have him like 9, 10 range right now. I do think there is room for him to move up if the Celtics are able to win the NBA title. I don't know if I can get there with with you and Luca. Like Luca is just unbelievable, and I hear you. The defensive stuff is a concern. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think some of the defensive concerns with him are a little overblown. Like, he's not a great defender, but he has size. Um, even stuff like him being able to crash the glass, I know it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, Like, but that matters defensively, it and like that's value-added. So I, I do think there's at least something that, not that he's ever going to reach the heights that Tatum has defensively, but offensively, I mean, Luka might just be the hardest guy in the entire league to game plan for on a night-to-night sure. basis now. Like, he can just shred basically any coverage you can throw at him. And really, we saw like the Warriors throw everything at him in the last round, right? And I think we would all agree that they did a fantastic job. And they were able to do as good of a job as anyone could against Luka. And he still put up the numbers that he did, which is a testament to just how dominant he is. I I think the only thing for Tatum with me is, you're absolutely right, his versatility defensively, you know, he actually guarded Draymond Green the most on the Celtics in the regular season in their matchups. And a lot of that is because, you know, we know Steph Curry, Draymond Green pick and rolls, just pick teams apart in those situations, right? And if you have Jason Tatum guarding Draymond Green, you can switch that pick and roll suddenly. Um, and Jason Tatum can at least hold his own on an island against Steph Curry. Not that he's going to shut him down every single time, but you're at least comfortable with that matchup in a way that you wouldn't be with Luka. Um, offensively, I give Jason Tatum a ton of credit. We know he's been able to hit tough shots since he came into the NBA. Um, he's becoming a more consistent scorer, a more refined scorer. His passing, it feels like, has leveled up every single season he's been in the league where he's kind of like manipulating teams sometimes with his passing. Mm-hmm. But there's still there's still a little bit of a consistency thing with him offensively as a scorer that I think is the biggest thing that he's going to have to overcome to kind of crack this like, yes, he's a top 10 player. There's no doubt he is in the top, whatever it is, six, seven, eight range that we were kind of talking about that is solidified with those players right now. Um, and, you know, I, I do think he will silence any doubts or a lot of doubts if they do win the finals. But they've also surrounded him with a great supporting cast, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. This, this is Tatum's team. I think that's pretty clear. But Jalen Brown is is one of the better, like, number twos. Robin's to a Batman in the league right now. Um, the defensive personnel they have, that one through seven in the rotation to surround him with, is almost unmatched from any other team in the league. So I do think it is a little bit more around him than some of these other superstars, especially like a guy like Luca. Um, not that we have to do this conversation right now, but it'd be fascinating to see what the Celtics would look like if you just swapped Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum, right? Um, they'd obviously look completely different on both ends of the court because of the, the type of player that Luka is. But I... I, as I said, I, I think Tatum is in that kind of 9-10 range based on the way that he's played this season. Um, I mean, he was an All-NBA first-team guy this season. Um, the way that he's been able to lead this Celtics team to the finals. But I still think there's something, that there's like a little bit more than he has to prove, I feel like, in terms of consistent, consistency as a scorer uh, for him to kind of crack that 7, that 1-7 through seven range that I think we both agreed is is kind of locked right now. Yeah, I, I agree. But that, and that's why I say you have to wait to see what happens uh, in the finals because if he's inconsistent in the finals, you're 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 going home. That's that's just the you know nature of the beast in the NBA finals. Um, I I also just I think m- me more than uh, and this is me speaking personally. I, I think I know I know a lot of people have you know praised his defense. I'm a little bit higher on his defense than I think even those who are probably the highest on it. I I really think that he's. He's turned a corner into you know a great two way player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's leading the Celtics right now in terms of deflections per game defensively, and, and this is this is a team that has you you, you know Rob Williams, uh, obviously defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown's a great defender. He was he was a, he was right out of the box. That that's what it was his his calling card for the NBA it was 
you know, being able yep. to stick in front of guys before he was able to figure it out offensively. Al Horford, um, you know, one of the smartest defenders, you know, that we have going in the league. And, you know, all that uh, and Jason Tatum's, you know, leading them in deflections. And I think deflections, uh, you know, matter a lot. Uh, you know, we always talk about Fred Van Vliet and his deflections in the regular season um, and, and try to make a case for him to make all NBA. I, I think Jason Tatum is could be an all NBA defender. Um, you know, I, I really do. And that's a tough list to crack. There's only two, there's really only two spots. Um, so, it, you know, we may never see it, but he's 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 not far off. Um, and, you know, that he, he is the reason, I think, why the Celtics have turned the corner defensively and turned into the best defensive team in the NBA right now. Because if he doesn't buy in, if your best player doesn't buy in, you have no shot of being the best defensive team in the league. Uh, and he, he bought it. So, um, yeah. By the way, if you. Ask Cal Lowry how difficult it is to make an all defensive team because he feels like that a guy who's been on the cusp of it basically his entire career and he's never been able to crack it. Like there's just with those two teams, there's so few spots. So tough. Um, one thing exactly. I have heard about mentioned the last couple of days, which is I, I didn't realize at the time and is incredible when you think about it. All five starters on the Celtics this season got votes for all defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sure. granted, Al Holford got one vote. Jason Tatum got three votes. But I, I think that speaks to it, right? Like it's not just... Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. He's arguably the best defender in the league right now. Uh, we can have that conversation, but it's more than just him, right? It's it's the ability of Tatum and Brown to switch, to guard multiple positions, to wreak havoc and help defense situations at the nail, using their long arms to poke ball, uh, bat, like the basketball away. Um, you know, Robert Williams' ability to, to protect the rim, Al Holford even downsizing at center sometimes, or Grant Williams, their, their switchability, their ability to still kind of protect the rim um, in a pinch, like... This whole team is just so good on that end of the court. But yeah, I, I think you're right. That that kind of buy-in, when you get that buy-in from your best player, um, it makes a world of difference. And not to compare him to LeBron, but like we've seen that in LeBron's career as well, as well right? Sure. Like there were some seasons where it didn't feel like he was as locked in defensively, especially in the regular season. But um, that, that, that season that they won the championship, the Lakers, from like game one, it felt like he was just completely bought in on that end of the court. Um, and that just has a ripple ripple effect for everyone else on the roster. No question about it. Um, we didn't plan for this, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. Uh, debate time. They're going to get compared to the 2019 Raptors, the Boston Celtics, just because of you know the team. Uh, also, the lack of finals experience, which I'll push back on because um, you know even though the Celtics like the Celtics have true lack of finals experience, right? Like right. they, they have no one that has played in the finals game uh, and their head coach is a rookie head coach on the other side with the Raptors, the franchise may not have been to the finals, but their best player in Kawhi Leonard was a four finals MVP, Danny green. So two of their five starters had had finals uh, experience and they were bringing Serge Ibaka who'd also had finals experience coming off the bench. So, it's a little different in terms of that. Like the Celtics just have no one that has played in a finals game. So a little different there. But better defense, that 19 Raptors team or this year's Celtics team? It's a really, really good question. It's a really good question. The I... numbers, by the way, I'll, I'll buy you some time. The numbers, by the way, uh, point to the Celtics. The Celtics were the best defensive team uh, this season. So the numbers, uh, Celtics were 106.2 defensive rating in the regular season. That year, the Raptors were 106.8. And that was good for fifth in the league that year. 
Um, in the playoffs, they got stingier, the Raptors. Uh, they finished with a 104.2 rating. And right now, heading into the finals, the Celtics are 105.1. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's razor close. thin. Yeah, it's close. And it doesn't surprise me that the Raptors leveled up in the playoffs because they were healthy. They acquired Marcus Alt, the trade deadline. Like, they were a different team going into that postseason. I... They're, they're different defensively, too. I feel like there is an athleticism to the Celtics that the Raptors didn't have. But I also think, like, like Marc Gasol is not the same level of rim protector that Robert Williams is. But he makes a similar impact because he knows where to rotate. He has long arms. He positions himself. He's also built like a brick wall. Um, I, I kind of lean towards the Raptors mainly because they were more they, they had a little bit more experience um, Danny Green still had that versatility to defend multiple positions. Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet are two of the peskiest guards in the league. They're not necessarily at Marcus Smart's level, but I think Kawhi Leonard, P. Kawhi Leonard was just a different level of defender than almost anyone we've seen in NBA history, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't like peak Kawhi defensively during his one season with the Raptors, but we saw when he wanted to be like locked in on that end of the court, what he did to Giannis in the conference finals um, in particular, that he was still maybe the best defender in the league. So I think just kind of that combination, I think I might give the slight edge to the Raptors, but I, it's, it's razor thin. Like these two, these two teams, it'd be fun to watch those two teams go after it um, in kind of a no seven-game series. <laughs> no would score. It'd be, uh, it'd be Kawhi Leonard and Jason Tatum trading like <laughs> tough pull-up twos um, the entire game. I I I. I thought about it long and hard because it was a big debate in my group chat. And I do give the slight, slight edge to the Raptors for two reasons. One, I don't think anyone individually on the Celtics are as good of a defender as Kawhi Leonard was when he was right. Uh, I, yep. I think I think they have really good defenders, but I don't think they have a shutdown defender. Like if if you're out on an island uh, and Jason Tatum's guarding you, I, I think you still you're not as you're not afraid. You're not giving that ball up. Um if you, if Kawhi Leonard locks into you, I think you look at him and you're like, "All right, I'm just going I'm going to give the rock up, let someone else cook." He uh, just ripped the ball from guys. Yeah. Like he, just, he's something else. Yeah. He's 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 one of the greatest defenders we've seen on the perimeter in in NBA history. Um and the other one which you didn't mention, I'm actually surprised by that. When your fourth best defender on that team, um, on your best defensive lineup, so if you had in the game Kyle Lowry, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Gasol, Serge Ibaka, and then your fourth best defender is Pascal Siakam, yeah. <laughs> like that is tough. You're talking about a dude that is, you know, six ten, you know, length, awkward. Um, you know, he he could just get his hands in passing lanes. Uh, it, it, it like I don't know, I don't know that the the Celtics have a really good defensive lineup when you know their their best guy like Robert Williams. I think their shutdown defensive lineup would be Robert Williams, uh, Al Horford, two bigs, and then you have your Tatum, Brown, and, and Smart. Right, like that's that's your five that you would probably say that's the best defensive lineup they have. Then after that, it's not it's not bad if you throw in you know White instead of. Um, Williams and you go a little smaller and you, you're a little bit more versatile that way. Um, even Grant Williams, I think, is a really good defender. Um, mm-hmm. You could even play super small with him. I think the Raptors still have more combinations uh, defensively that they could beat you with. Um, they could beat you small. Like they, they, they could have put Pascal at the five 
and they would have been okay defensively. They could have put Surge at the five. They would have been okay defensively. They could have played super big and had Pascal at the three and Kawhi at the two, and they would have beat you defensively. I don't know that the Celtics have that many combinations. Like, I'm not even throwing in Norman Powell. You know, Norman Powell might not even be, you know, in that equation, and he's still a really good defender who has length and size. If you get into foul trouble, like, he could come in. I think the Raptors' eighth best defender when you, when you just rank them, um, if there's any sort of foul trouble or anything like that, Norman Powell would be the eighth guy. I think they beat out the Celtics just by a squeeze because now when you're getting down to the eighth best defender on the Celtics, you're probably looking at like a Peyton Pritchard or uh, or, or some someone like that. So slight edge to the Raptors, but man, it's close. That would be a great series, it is. You're right? Um, it's super close. Just tells you how good our league is uh, and has mm-hmm. been over the last three seasons. Uh, and by the way, I, I think a lot of people are going to be going back to watch that series because the Warriors at times struggle to score against that team, and they'll probably see some of the same issues uh, against this Boston Celtic team um, if, if things play out the way that I think it might. Uh, all right, give me your X factor for the series. I mean, how have we talked for uh, 35 minutes here and not mentioned Andrew Wiggins' name? Um, that's your guy. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that you haven't haven't said it yet. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I... It, it, well, I'll tell you why in a second, but go ahead. I, I, I at least think Andrew Wiggins is the biggest X factor on the Warriors because we know that the Celtics are going to be locked in on everything that Klay Thompson and Steph Curry do. They sure. play this duo a lot. They know that they love their off-ball movement, the kind of pressure that puts on everyone one through five on the court. Um, they're going to be locked into them. So I think there's just, just, there's just it, can Andrew Wiggins, one, make those open jump shots when they come to him? Two, I think there's going to be some situations where he's going to have to create shots for himself because he gets the ball with seven seconds left. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are covered, and he's going to have to create something out of nothing. I think that's going to be important to take pressure off of both of them. And then defensively, too. I think he's probably going to be the one that matches up with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is another one of the guys. We just talked about him you know, potentially being a top-ten player. I don't think anyone can just kind of shut him down anymore. Like He's graduated to that point where he's still going to make his impact felt, whether... He's not necessarily having the best shooting night, but he's still doing a little bit of everything offensively. But if he can make life difficult for him, especially in those big situations, I think that could kind of tip the scales in Golden State's favor, potentially. Um, So, yeah, I I think he's the biggest X factor on the Warriors just because his impact on both ends of the court. I'm sure his defense is going to get a lot of attention going to this series, but... You know, you've talked a lot about how offensively, um, how important he was, especially in that Maverick series, you know, I, taking, it, I, taking it to Luka, crashing yeah. the offensive glass and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I really, uh, you know, everyone knows that, you know, his defense is going to be great, like or it's going to have to be great to give Jason Tatum any sort of problems here in these in these finals. And not just Tatum, like if he doesn't match up only on Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown as well, um, that's going to be important, right? Like it, we know that. So. I'm more interested in seeing how aggressive he is offensively because I thought that that was the difference in the Mavericks series. Not so much uh, against the Grizzlies. I, I don't think that the Grizzlies, I mean, once job went down, I, th- I think it was just a different you know, different level. They just couldn't get to uh, so that they couldn't score as much. But the Mavericks, uh, you know, because of the pressure he put on Luka, um, while he was while Luca was guarding him, it forced Luca to have to play both ends of the floor, and I think that that's going to be extremely important for Andrew Wiggins here in this series. Um, the last two series against Memphis and against the Mavericks, he's averaged seven rebounds per game. I think that's super important. You know, he has to stay at or around that number, um, or even above it. 
Uh, it'd be great if it was above it for the Warriors. Um, the Celtics team is big. Like yeah, they're going to they crash are. the offensive glass, and you need it's it can't just be Kevon Looney doing it or or just Draymond Green because they're kind of small anyway for their position, right? Yeah. Um, I think Draymond Green's only listed like six six. Kevon Looney isn't. He looked huge against the Mavericks, but they're they're a small team. So Robert Williams and Al Horford they play two bigs a lot of times. So you're right. I think even Wiggins, even Steph Curry, right? We he he was great rebounding the ball in that last series, but they're going to need. It's it's going to be a collective effort, and and right now the 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 Warriors are actually um, you know on average are a better rebounding team um, than the Boston Celtics. Uh, they 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 are grabbing more offensive rebounds right now um, than the than the Boston Celtics. And if you if you look at it, uh, you know by by rebounding uh, percentage, it's still it's still the Warriors over the Celtics. The Warriors are at fifty two percent. Celtics are just under fifty. Um, so. It, it, that has a little bit to do with the teams that the Celtics have played as well. Like the the Bucks are big, um, you know. The, the Heat rebound well, um, so that that has to be taken into consideration. But I do think rebounding is going to be a key because when Wiggins rebounds, like w- the, the best way to tell if Wiggins is engaged, he's going to score even in his sleep. Like he's going to get numbers scoring wise in sleep. He's that talented of a scorer, but. If he's showing the maximum effort to go and chase down those rebounds, um, put himself, um, you know, in 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 the dirty areas to get those rebounds, that tells you um, all you need to know about how engaged he is. And he was in the last two series in terms of doing so, especially on the offensive glass uh, against the Mavericks. And I think he's going to have to do that in this series too. But I don't think he's the X factor, Scott. I I think he's a factor, but he's not the X factor. I think the X factor is Jordan Poole, and here's why. I, the more I think about it, I'm having a hard time believing that if we see the version of Jordan Poole that we saw in the last two series, the one that was getting hunted by both the Mavericks and the Grizzlies, I don't know how Steve Kerr can play him as many minutes as he played him in these conference semis and the conference finals. Boston is a much different animal offensively than Memphis was and the Mavs were. We just talked about Luka being the best offensive player in the league potentially. The Mavs don't have a a number two. Um, You know, you can make an argument for Jalen Brunson, but Jalen Brunson isn't Jalen Brown. Jalen Brunson is probably more on the level of Marcus Smart. They're probably in the same category, but Marcus Smart is also a really good playmaker. Uh, Marcus Smart is also really good and, and, and comfortable with his back to the basket. And he's not afraid to take a wide open three when it's available for him. I don't know that the, the, when Jordan Poole's on the floor, there's no question that the Celtics are going to put a target on him and hunt him. And he's he's so bad defensively, Scott, that you have to help him. You, you can't just leave him out there on an island. So I, I don't know how the Warriors uh, are, are going to set their defense in a way that they protect Poole and not get him embarrassed when he's out on an island. And also find ways to get out to those shooters that the Celtics are going to put on the floor. But not only that, make sure that those closeouts aren't going to overcommit and just create driving lanes for a Brown who might turn down a three and put it on the deck for for uh, a Marcus Smart who might do the same. Um, you know the lob threat that Robert Williams is at this point. He's banged up. You could still throw it anywhere near the rim and he's going to put it down. Playing f- four on three against those guys might be a nightmare. So I honestly think that Jordan Poole might, if he's not bringing it offensively, like it might be one of those situations where he, he looks, we're, we're, we're writing an article like, why isn't Jordan Poole playing? 
uh, honestly, uh, to take you behind the scenes, like, uh, you know, same in the same vein that, you know, Duncan Robinson just could not stay on the floor against Boston in the last series. He, Jordan Poole might be that guy. And, you know, throughout the playoffs, he's been a spark plug for the Golden State Warriors, um, you know, in terms of his scoring and and what he brings to the table. And if you take away, uh, he had 16 points per game, um, you know, against the against the uh, Mavs. If you take that away now, where's that scoring going to come from? Because Draymond Green is very reluctant to score. Um, Kevon Looney, you're probably not running sets for him. Uh, and, and now you're now putting more pressure on Steph Curry or Jonathan Kaminga and, and Moses Moody are probably the two guys that are probably going to play the bulk of those minutes. Uh, they're rookies. <laughs> it's their first finals. Um, this is a really good team. So uh, defensively, even Boston, like how how those guys aren't ready to create their own shots. So I I think Jordan Poole, he has to be right now over the next couple of days locked into a room watching tape. Um, and he has to look at himself in the mirror and say, hey, I am going to bring my effort defensively every time out. Otherwise, I'm, I'm going to be glued to the bench waving a towel because I don't know how, this, how the Warriors play him. Um, you know, with the Celtics being as smart as they are offensively in terms of hunting different people. I, I think that's fair. That's a really good point. I will say one of the things that frustrates me a lot with defenses in today's NBA, and we saw it a lot in that Sun series, and I'm sure teams have their reasoning for doing this, but a lot of teams just like gift teams the switch they want, right? Yeah. Like Luka Doncic is standing at the top of the key. He's calling Cameron Johnson over, like his defense to come set a screen, and they just give it to him. And then Luca calls everyone out, and he couldn't be more comfortable attacking Cameron Johnson. And this is no knock at him; he's actually a good defender. But yeah, like, Luca was very comfortable attacking him, and they let him go at it over and over and over again. And I think that can be really frustrating to watch, just as an, as an observer. All I will say is, like, I thought that was going to be more of an issue in the last series against the Mavericks because I thought Luca would just kind of do the same, um, and even against Steph Curry. But the Warriors are really good at just figuring out ways to not give a player the matchup with that looking for. Mm-hmm. And even if they get it, they're going to waste eight to 10 seconds doing it. And suddenly there's five seconds left on the shot clock and you're two feet behind the three point line. And you've got to hoist a really difficult shot up, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have experience. Steph Curry defended LeBron so many times in the finals and it was put Steph Curry in a pick and roll. And they felt like they tried everything from hedging um, to switching to whatever it is. Um, did the same thing against James Harden. James Harden in his prime was one of the best mismatch hunters in the league so like they have they know kind of how to deal with the in those situations and not to say that it's not going to be a concern because it is right like jordan Poole is not a very good defender and you best believe the celtics are going to attack any kind of weak link they can when he's on the court or when whoever's on the court for the warriors but i just think the warriors are smarter to not necessarily just you know, gift the Celtics the matchups that they're looking for. So that's why I feel like he's apps. I, I I feel like we're opposite. And to me, Andrew Wiggins is the X factor for the Warriors, mm-hmm. but Pool is an X factor. Um, whereas you seem to think that Pool is the X factor and Wiggins is an X factor. So I, yeah. I, I think we're just kind of flipped there for that reason. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, maybe. But uh, and and you're right. The the Warriors probably more than any other team. You know, fight, they're going to fight through those screens. But I just. Pool man, he—it's uh, frustrating watching him defensively because it's almost like he does not try. Um, He's—he's just—he's just not there yet. Um, he's an offensive he's, first guy. He's definitely <laughs> one of those guys that get paid to make buckets, right? Like that's—that's—that's that's, that's his mo. But he in in a final series, um, you know, if he wants to play in this series, he's going to have to sit down in the stance and and try to guard. Uh, otherwise, um, 
you know, I could I could really see Steve Kerr playing Moody and, and Kaminga, and that's not going to vote well for their offense. It'll help their defense, but their offense will will suffer um, greatly if if that's the case. And you don't want your offense to suffer against the best defensive team in the league. Um, all right, let's let's get to it. We've uh, we've waited long enough. Let's let's get to the prediction. Who do you have? How many games? I think this is going to seven games. I think this is a toss up. Um, like you, I'd be shocked if this ends before six games. I think any other result is kind of on the table, whether it's Warriors, Celtics in six, or the same for seven. My gut says Warriors. I think they found their stride. They're confident. They're a great team on both ends of the court. They've been to this stage before. Not to like kind of buy into the storybook ending, but it kind of just feels like everything is coming together for them. So my gut says Warriors, but I do think the more that I think about the series, the matchups, how they match up with each other on both ends of the floor, that I do talk myself into the Celtics just because I do think they match up well with the Warriors. And I think, you know, the whole experience thing is maybe a little bit overblown uh, for some of the reasons that we've talked about, you know, having won just two game sevens in the last two series. Um, they just have so much size to throw out the Warriors to the, you know, to the degree that other teams haven't yet in this playoffs. And I think on one hand, maybe the fact that, you know, they've, they, they swept the Nets in the first round, but that was a tough series. Um, but the fact that they've gone to seven games in back-to-back series, maybe that catches up with them. You know, they don't have as much of a rest for the Warriors and everything like that. Right. I, but that could also work in their favor because they've, you know, they've, they've grinded it out to this point. Um, they've won tough series. They've had to battle on the road. Like the Warriors haven't really been pushed like that yet. So I, I still think I'm going to trust my gut here and go with the Warriors. Um, but it, to me, it really is a toss-up. And I... The Celtics team is so good that I, I just wouldn't be surprised if they pull it off. So Warriors in seven? Warriors in seven for me, I think. I'm with you. Um, my gut tells me that the Warriors will win this series. I have them uh, actually winning it in six. Um, but the more I think about it and the deeper I think into it and you know all the combinations that could happen in the finals. What if this matchup happens and who has to play in these minutes and everything else? It all leans towards the Celtics. Like, I think the Celtics are the better team. I I really do. Um, And it it is close, but I do think the Celtics are the better team. Uh, And I thought that in the last series against the the, uh, Miami Heat, I did not think that against the Bucs, but but also I wasn't expecting Chris Middleton to not be able to be available. So that changed things. If you had asked me, and I think I said this on the show last week, if you had asked me before the Eastern Conference Finals started whether or not the Boston Celtics were winning the NBA title, I would have said absolutely yes. I thought at that point, Final Four, they had been the best team I'd seen. They had all the tools to figure it out. I thought they were going to blow right by Miami and also you know, get past whoever came out in the Western Conference. So it was likely, in my opinion, going to be Golden State. And here we are, and I have a different opinion on that. I'm a little bit, I do, like I said, I think they're the better team. I do think experience matters in this situation. I, I don't, I don't know that the Celtics showed me throughout the season or throughout the playoffs. And I know everyone's going to say, hey, they won two game sevens, they blew past the Nets and everything else. They won those two game sevens because they were the better team playing, um, you know, compromised teams. This is a Warriors team that has had a week to prepare for them. This is a Warriors team that has been on this final stage so many times that nothing is going to be foreign to them. 
I don't want to say it's like a you know uh, deer in a headlight moment, but it's very tough for the Celtics. I I, I think it's going to be tough for the Celtics to remain calm, you know, between games to not overthink between possessions. You have a guy like Al Horford, who is the most senior guy in the team, who has never played in the final series, who has waited so long to play here. How much is he going to be clutching the basketball? Is he going to be nervous? Is he going to be overthinking a shot that he passed up on or a pass that he didn't make between games that ultimately you know crumbles a team? Jason Tatum has he could get away having those bad games, you know, in rounds two or three when there's multiple you know series going on. And there's different talking points going on. When you are in the finals, you're the talking point. There's nothing going to be getting in the way of that. And you go, you know, six for 21 in one game, you're hearing about it for the next 48 hours. But you're also thinking about it for the next 48 hours. Man, am I losing my opportunity to win a championship? I think the Warriors have a huge edge experience wise. And I think that that's going to be the difference in this series. I, I think the Celtics might look a little bit like the Suns did a year ago. I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics are leading this series uh, after three games. Like I, That would not shock me at all. Uh, I think they could be up 2-1 after three games. And I, I think that the Warriors might come back and, and just blow them out of the water, um, you know, making the adjustments. Uh, I, I really think that the Warriors have it's their time. Sometimes, yeah, it's, it's just a destiny. I think it's the Steph Curry stuff. It's the, you know, he's never been able to win the finals MVP. It's Clay Thompson coming back. And what a moment for him to, you know, get back on the floor and and, and on the same finals floor that he, he left the game on. He gets to finish his season on, um, you know, Draymond Green being Draymond Green, Wiggins being a number one overall pick and all the stuff that everyone talked about, um, you know, throughout his career, being able to finally silence those critics. You know, Steve Kerr being, you know, solidifying his spot in history now, a definite Hall of Famer, no question about it. Like th- there is, yeah, I, I, I just, I just think it's the Warriors, Warriors one to lose. Um, but the Celtics are the better team, and <laughs> you know that's the only reason why I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, nervous about the pick. But I am, I am going to stick with my gut. I am going to pick the Golden State Warriors. I do think it happens in six. I would love to see seven. Would love to see seven, but I do think it happens at six. I, I just have a lot of respect for experience in these moments. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say about that. I think that's a really good point. Um, I also think we – I don't think we mentioned it yet, but the Warriors do have home court advantage in the series. Yep, that matters. That that could be a factor. You know, the Celtics have won a ton of road games. Um, they just beat the Heat in Game 7 of the road. But, uh, you know, th- th- I think that is another factor here. No, I, I think you nailed it. I-, I It sounds like we're on the same page and that we both do lean kind of Celtics being the better team, but it just kind of feels like the moment for the Warriors and that that experience that they have could give them a slight edge. Because like you, I-, I had the same thought kind of going into that conference finals. I was like, the Celtics are going to win all this season. And then kind of the way that series panned out, the way that the Warriors just took total control of that series against the Mavericks um, kind of changed my mind a little bit. So... Look, I, I think it's going to be a great series. I do think it could go to seven games. I hope I've spoken it to existence by saying that um, because these two teams are both absolutely fantastic. And, you know, based on some of the blowouts that we've had to this point in the playoffs, it sure would be nice if we had a kind of grinded out seven games um, to decide the champion this season. Yeah, it would be. It would be. I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. The way the Heat, you know, were able to come back in some of the moments where you thought, you know, it's specifically for me was game three in Boston. 
after they blew the heat out in game two, for the Celtics to lose that game at home in game three to go down 2-1, I mean, I they came out lackadaisical. Jimmy Butler goes down. They make that big run. They're still, they still weren't able to really close it out. And I'm sitting there saying, this they should not be down 2-1-1. And you just dodged a bullet. Like, you, you, you got your split. Get these guys out of here, man. And they, they didn't do it in, in, in that situation. And then, you know, game three, or sorry, game five, they blow the heat out at home. Everyone yeah. is already, you know, previewing the finals the day, the day after. Um, and then they game six happens. And you're, I'm sitting there like, I, I think I, I said it on Twitter spaces that we did uh, with Stefan No, like, it doesn't feel like Boston. This is everyone's talking about a coronation for Boston game six. Like I'm not counting the heat out. I thought it was going to be a yeah, close game. I had no idea that. that Miami was going to win. I did think it was going to be a close game though. And, you know, again, uh, one player beat them, <laughs> you know, he just willed them to win. And, uh, and, you know, again, in the game seven, they were up by as many as 17 and they let the heat back in the game. Um, and they that had a chance minute. to, that last minute in particular was insane. I thought they, I thought they had it in the bag, took a couple of bad shots, that offensive yeah. foul on Jalen Brown, and suddenly it comes down to the final possession. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And and that those, I think those things, like people say, oh, they overcame. Those things are okay in second round and and in the conference finals, but the the finals are different, man. Like if you don't think that the finals are different, the finals are different. You just have to go to one finals game and really understand the magnitude of it. It, it is it is completely different, and I don't care who you are. If it's your first time walking in there, you feel it. You definitely feel it. And for you know Jalen Brown, who that video circulating on social right now, he was there for the Warriors in 2016. Like he grew up watching this team, and now he's going to have to play against them like that. That there's going to be nerves there. You know, it, it's going to it's going to take a while for him to overcome some of that stuff. Um, you know, that, that stuff I think matters, uh, more, maybe more than, uh, than others. And maybe they'll shut me up and, and, you know, Boston will just blitz through it and we'll, we'll both be right in terms of them being the better team and they'll be hosting the championship. But I, I just do think that the Warriors have the experience factor. They should win the series. Um, all right, let's get out of here. We will, uh, talk to you next week. And by then we'll have two games in the books, uh, game one coming on Thursday, game two coming on Sunday night i can't wait scott i i am super excited for these finals i hope you guys at home listening are too uh if you haven't please go ahead and rate and review uh nba sound system wherever you get your podcast tell a friend tell a friend it is finals time i uh, hope you guys enjoy it for scott rafferty i'm carlin gay this has been nba sound system